All right, all right, all right. Mr. Phil Collins is here with me today for another great episode of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. This is the first in our series of episodes we're going to call the Arion episodes. Phil, are you ready to talk about one of our collectively favorite bands, if not our collective favorite band? Yeah, for sure, man. We were going to call this series the final experiment, but due to copyright reasons, we had to scratch scratch that idea. I think Mr. Lucasen could have taken some offense to that, so (laughs) couldn't do it. But this is an experiment of sorts because we're going to be reviewing the entire catalog of one artist. I believe it would be fair to call it an homage, if you will. We're going. Yeah, sure. We're going to be reviewing the entire catalog of a band, A Y R E O N. If you haven't read this podcast introduction or podcast title, and Arion is an a character, really. I mean, it's a band, but it's a character mm-hmm. that you find out about. All of this is the brainchild mm-hmm. of what I consider to be, or who I consider to be, the Beethoven or the. Bach of our generation as it relates to metal. I think this guy is a genius composer. He's incredible in his musical talent and skill, but also in his composition and his storytelling. And his name is Aryan Lucasen, and we are hopeful to have him join us on a later episode. For all of you listening who don't know Aryan, I recommend you go to his website, which is A R J E N. L-U-C-A-S-S-E-N dot com. And that's his full name, A-R-J-E-N, L-U-C-A-S-S-E-N. I'm going to be reading some of the things about this album from that webpage because it's so helpful. He's got some details about these albums. But Phil, why don't we tell the listeners first kind of how you and I came to find out about Arion because I learned of it from you and I need to know where you learned about Arion first. Okay, um... I probably uh, around 2004, right when the human equation came out, I, I used to go and I still do, but um, more frequently I used to go to these um, message boards on this F- website called game facts, FAQs. And they have various message boards about various topics and they have one dedicated just to metal. Uh, and so I was on there and I always would just basically go off of what people were jocking and try to listen to it and see if I liked it. Um, it's a very, it's a very contentious board. Everyone's shitting all over everyone else's musical tastes. But the only thing at that time, the only thing I I had seen that no one was shitting on and everyone was kind of agreeing with that was great was the human equation from Arion. So I was like, wow, everyone's jocking this like crazy. I think it has a cool sounding name, uh, you know, album name. So sounded a little, maybe a little pretentious, but intriguing. So I, jumped right into it to see what it was about. And I mean, really from the first song, I was kind of hooked on it. I thought, wow, this is, really is awesome. See where it goes. And then I don't really remember if I knew, if I learned what the concept was before I listened or if I listened and then gradually gathered that there was more to it than just a series of songs. But, um, you know, as I discovered that, I thought it was really, really, really creative way to do an album and a great concept. And then at some point I'd, uh, mentioned to you that you should check it out, and we've just been listening to it, I guess, ever since. Maybe not as frequently as we used to, but I think pretty much, pretty sure we were immediately enamored with it together, and then it's kind of been like the best album ever for a long time. Uh, totally. We had been, yeah, we, it, it, it had, we've been using that superlative for a very long time. I don't know if it will still be considered necessarily the greatest album ever, because since then we've expanded you know, our catalogs, but um, still up there with anything you want to throw out there. And no doubt about it is the most nostalgic album for you and I, I think, jointly in terms of like both immediately like, wow, we can really dive into this and sink our teeth into it. Because for those of our listeners who do not know kind of the layout of Aryan's work and particularly the Arion Project, each album is its own self-contained story. It is a they're all concept albums, or the more common term, I think, is rock opera. They all mm-hmm. have their own confined story from start to finish. And that, to me, gave so much depth 
to chew on and kind of learn more about. Every time I listened to it, I was picking up more of the story and understanding more of the dynamic of the voices in the album, which are characters more than they are singers. And that holds true in the first album of Aryans under the name mm-hmm. Arion, which came out in 1995. So we're breaking the mold on the post-2000 releases, but it's for good cause because so many of Arion album releases were post-2000. But for this episode, for the very first, we wanted to go back and, and start where it all started, ironically titled The Final Experiment. Let's talk about this before we dive into the substance of it, how we uncovered this one. I think... I might have been the first one to buy this. I had the physical album I got from Record yeah. Tape Traders, and then I think I brought it back, and we were kind of hanging out, and I said, we got to check this out. And mm-hmm. it's got the two-disc set, which has the acoustic set on disc two, and then the original uh, on disc one. And I, at least the way I immediately received this was a ton of great songs, three or four real standout forever classic songs, and we'll get to those. Uh, but generally speaking, the story was just really cool to me. I didn't, I didn't expect it to be so unique to have such an interesting story. So tell us kind of your thoughts of your initial impressions, and then we'll dive into the actual album itself and the story. Okay, yeah. Um, I, I think my, the next album I went to was from Human Equation was right to Into the Electric Castle. But I think you definitely introduced me to this one. Anyway, um, I thought it was wild because I didn't know Arion was a character. Um, I knew it was a band, you know, that's what the project was called. But Ariane is a character in the final experiment. And so I guess he just ran with the name since then. But I thought it was, um, it was, it was noticeably more uh, raw than uh, the, you know, subsequent releases. But obviously that makes sense. It's like his first album. But I was really impressed by how, orchestra- how organized it was for someone's first um, effort in his project. It was, he obviously has connections or he somehow got a lot of people on here that can sing their ass off and play their ass off music wise. So I was, it made me curious about what this guy had been doing before this, you know, how he made those connections, how he made, how he established those relationships and, and, and how he got so good at it. But I, it was, it's an epic album. It's rock opera all the way. There's a lot of seventies vibes, um, a lot of flute, a lot of, Hey, Aqualung, <laughs> but, uh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, lot, but lots of uh, folky and um, epic uh, mixing into this sort of um, sort of trippy synth-driven journey, and I thought it was really, really cool how he mixed all those styles. So, I, you know, basically, it was it's kind of similar thoughts I'd have on any any of his projects, except this is his first one, so it was really intriguing. But you know, to think about how he how he came up with this. Um, and how he was able to get so many people on board. And then specific to the album itself, I, I thought that the music was still super powerfully well put together. There was never a song where I was like, oh, this doesn't make any sense and this is trash. It was every song I was like, oh, damn, this is ca- some of this is catchy shit. This has got an interesting little transition. And right now we're listening to the first track, which is called Prologue. And I love how he starts with this transmission from the future... 2084 and sets the table. So I'll just let's listen to this. Had developed a new computer program called Time Telepathy. By using this technique, they have sent visions of humanity's decline back in time. These transmissions have been received by the mind of a blind minstrel who lives in 6th century Britain. His name is Arian. Just blasted some eardrums there, but um, for anyone who couldn't gather the, the, the context there or exactly what he was saying, basically in the year 2084, scientists have found a way to send messages back into time using time telepathy. With the Earth nearly destroyed by many different causes, they have one hope for the experiment, to warn the past of the future to avert the fate of Earth. And when they send the message back, the only person who can pick up the message is this blind minstrel in 6th century Britain. So you have this really interesting idea, and I would, I desperately hope that Aryan joins us on the show at some point, because I have to ask him, where did you come up with that idea? This was in 1995, well before the South Park episode about uh, their future selves where they come back and they cut the hand off like we were just talking about before the show. 
you know, where did he get this idea? And what a cool concept to take futuristic, you know, almost like blending Star Wars with Lord of the Rings, right? You take the futuristic with the Knights of the Round and mesh it together. Sure, yeah. yeah. And then from there, a whole career has been spawned. So, uh, you know, basically for me, the prologue is very, very neat how he sets the table. He doesn't try to hide from you what the story is or make you try to figure it out. It's a story that you could follow like a movie or a book or a play. It's just right there for you to understand. Yeah, I've, I've, yeah, they're, um, it's not subtle. You don't have to figure it out. He's, he's just telling you what is going on. And um, I kind of like the, yeah, you got to like the openness about it. You know, it, it's very, for, for such a, for a genre that's so pretentious, this is very straightforward and accessible. Like, hey, yes. we're telling a story. It's very approachable. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then on Aryan's website, which again, I encourage everybody to go to, you can read about each act. He breaks the album down into different acts, and they're not specifically broken down on the album as such because they're tracks, but he's even broken down the tracks into smaller sub-pieces, which I think is really cool. Like he's got in the prologue three broken down pieces, the time, telepathy, experiment, overture, and then Arian's quest. And then the second track is the awareness, and he breaks that down, and we're listening to the awareness now. This is where, um, as it makes sense to say, the awareness is where this is where it hits Arion, the, the minstrel, where he has this awareness of what's going on. And he breaks it down into three pieces, the premonition, dream time, and the awakening. And when you see it broken down into those sub-chapters, and then you listen to the album again, you really do get that feel of those transitions, because the songs do have stark transitional points to keep the story moving. And I don't know about you, Phil, but when you and I were first encountering an album like this, and then more specifically Human Equation, because that came to us first, I had never encountered an album set up like this that was a very sincere, story-driven rock opera like this. Had you seen anything or heard anything like that before, that format? Maybe like The Wall Pink Floyd in a way, but um, not... Not really, I don't think. Not, but there aren't many examples. Um, so no, I don't think I. I think that's probably part of the reason why we were so enamored. Like, oh, this is such a unique, novel thing, you know. So you know, it kept our interest. Totally. Um, so. So then, in the awareness, you know, you have this. I think this iconic guitar riff here. This has to be Aryan. Right before he says, "I cry in the silence." Yeah, and you feel his pain, and also I think we should note, incredible is vocalists on the album are Arian, Barry Hay, Edward Reekers, Ian Perry, Jan Krista Cohere, Ye Van Fagellen, Lenny Wolf, Leon Gowie, Robert Soderbach, Rude Alwing, Debbie Schroeder, Miriam Dorn, Lucy Hillen, and then a bunch of bonus vocalists. So, and ironically enough, Justin Bieber. <laughs> the, a late ad at the, yeah. a, at the age of two. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't know how old he would be at this point. Um, but it's amazing that he coordinated all these people to play a character on the album. And, you know, that they all bought into it and were like game to do this because it's really such a unique idea. And uh, I, I find it fascinating. So... As you re-evaluated this album and kind of re-digested it now, how did this song in particular, The Awareness, and then going into The Eyes of Time, how did those two uh, songs hit you? In a way, I felt a little, um, I was like, I'm going to be boring because I, felt, I didn't change my mind that much on this. I, uh, I still, I like the, and I, I think, I felt, I guess back in the day, that, um, I like this, but they, they kind of truncate the song on the semi-acoustic version and just call it Dream Time, and it's a lady who's singing. Yeah. And uh, I think it's a little more somber, and I like it a little bit more. I don't know why. I guess the um, the semi-acoustic, in some points, um, meshes a little better to me with the folky uh, sixth-century Britain um, atmosphere they're creating. And so I like the acoustic version more, but the but to answer your question more directly, I still think it's a great song. I think it's eerie. I think it's um, very pretty. And it's like the look at the first song where he shows you, you know, this isn't just like a corny rock opera. This guy's great at making music. 
And so musically, it's going to be, it's going to stand perfectly on its own, even without the concept. And um, and the concept's just like, it's like extra. It's like a, it's like a fucking icing on the cake. But it's beautiful. It's like, it's not. It's for a rock opera. It's not epic. It's not punch you in the face. It's not overdoing anything. It's just an eerie uh, sort of world building, uh, pretty song. So I, I like it. I, I always, I've always liked this song. I feel pretty much the same as I did back in the day. Okay, well, that's good, um, because our listeners don't know that, so I don't think it's going to be redundant to them if you just keep saying, I loved it then and I love it now, they won't know that. So that's perfectly fine, and I feel the same way. I felt a sense of nostalgia, and I felt like, really, the level of polish on an album like this from 1995 and the layers of complexity and variation hold up today. I mean, I didn't feel like it sounded old. I could hear a band releasing an album like this today and still saying, damn, awesome. What a cool, what a cool layout. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yep. The production's pretty legit. And then this came, I think I bought the uh, version of this that came out on Inside Out, which was his later, and I think even current, label. And he shifted to them in 2005, and that's when they re- did the reissue with the bonus disc that we're talking about with all the um, acoustic versions. So the third track is Eyes of Time. This one has never been my favorite song in particular. You know, it's got this kind of unique vocal style where it sounds like it's in a wavy, like, dream state, which I respected. I think this is a cool song, but it wasn't anything that I've ever, you know, played as like a single. I don't know if you feel the same All way. Right, I, I, that's legit. I love the, you gotta love that riff, that bassy bum 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 bum. It's a little heavier, kind of shows you his metal chops. And then, um, see, okay, again, the acoustic version that I think is done in, a, in one part better, where they go, tell me what you see, and this one's, it's okay, but in the acoustic version, they go, tell me what you see. I think that part is done in a way that's catchier and sets up the, um, I see the world through the eyes of timeline a little better. I agree with so you that there. Part is, yeah, that I part agree. is so catchy. Yep, I agree with you there totally. I love the acoustic version of this song. Yeah. See the world through the eyes. It's uh, this song gets in my head big time, so definitely. But yeah, the album version, good. But yeah, it, it's a little, maybe a little too uh, experimental. And substantively, the way that Arian describes it, I think he does a better job than anyone. So I'm not going to just try to interpret. I'm just going to read what he says. This is still part of Act One. Act One in the album consists of the prologue, the awareness, and I think the eyes of time. I hope I'm not saying that cor- incorrectly. And it says, the receiver of the telepathic messages is Arion, a blind minstrel living in 6th century Britain, as we've noted. He's lived his life in darkness from the day he was born, but one fateful day, everything changes. Arion can see images. The minstrel believes these visions are sent to him by the lords of time. Unaware of how much time there is left before Earth is destroyed, Arion sets out to tell the tale of Earth's demise, singing songs of wars, natural disaster, and computer technology. The terrifying tales frighten the villagers who run him out of town. And I think that's what he's going through here. He's, yeah, he's, yeah, I guess he's trying to explain to them that he sees the world through the eyes of time. That's right. He's he's sensing this transmission and kind of deciphering it and interpreting it through this eyes of time. And then the subsection two of this track is called Brainwaves. I think that's this phase that we're in right now where he's kind of... Aryan is demonstrating that feeling of the brainwaves through music. And then track four is the banishment, of course. That's where he is kicked out of, of the town for sharing uh, his fears. So let's jump to track number four here, the banishment. This is an 11-minute song, but it's got a lot to it. He breaks it down into five subsections, which are a new dawn, the gathering, the accusation, the banishment, and then oblivion. And I pr- it probably would be wise for me to note that this is a 71-minute album, and usually I'm on here just trashing long albums, but... I don't know. Did you did you feel like it was too long when you kind of came back to it as the world has sped up in the last thirty years or so? No, I no, it it um it, it's not a big deal if it if it moves really well uh, and transitions well. Some of these songs you don't even know where one starts and the other begins. Yes. Um, so no, because if you if you if you try to break it up too much, it wouldn't flow very well. It's it's brilliantly put together. So no, I don't think the the length of the album was a problem I, I felt, think it was fine I'm glad to hear you say that I felt the same way and I, I was almost wondering like if you were going to trash me for 
always being so hard on bands for having long albums, but this is one of those examples where it needed what it needed, and it's perfect the way that it's laid out, so never am I like, uh, come on already with the order. Move on, move on to the yeah, next. Yeah, God. You know. Still doing this? Yeah, ne uh, never do I feel that way. Yeah, yeah like that song, um, we'll get to it, um, where I listened to the bells, um, kind of saw, uh, kind of approached the shit where he's like, um, he goes right from listen to the waves, Oracle and listen to the waves bells. There are bells in the beginning, but that song transitions so well with those bells that I, I always forget where one starts and one begins. So I just like, um, and there are a couple of parts like that in the album. So I fucking love that. I think it's cool. I think that's the perfect way to do a rock opera. And to keep us, uh, I, I could talk about this for four hours, which would, nobody would want to listen to. So to keep us moving through, uh, the, we go from the banishment to Ye Courtyard Minstrel Boy, which has a really iconic flute. I mean, this is so just, doesn't this get caught in your head every time you hear it? Yeah, of course. I, um, one time, uh, Tony, I was like talking to Tony Armager on a track at track practice and I had I used to have long hair and I was doing some little flute thingy and I don't know if it was from this song or something from Arian and he always brings up that and laughs because I look like some silly minstrel because my hair was bouncing around and it looked like some I don't know some approach to some kind of Irish dance and I, I this song makes me think of that like me just blowing on a flute like frolicking around isn't it such a but great song it is and it's pretty and, and it's chill and it's 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 like um you just want to lay down in the woods and just, I don't know, be all silly. No, um, <laughs> and I, I, I haven't figured out, I don't know, maybe you have, who is singing to him to say this ye courtyard minister boy? Like someone is giving him advice to leave. I mean, he's been banished, but they're saying you need to go spread your message elsewhere. Go, leave, go tell the king or go tell Merlin about what you're facing. And I haven't been able to figure out who, which character that is. Maybe I need to grab the CD, actually. Yeah, grab, mm, grab have, it. Get I that. Have, get it. Nah, I have it's, that. It's not in arms reach. Yeah, I need to grab it. Um, you should, you should on the podcast now, dig through everything for 45 minutes and get progressively pissed off when you can't find it. And then also, like, start fucking around with shit that you didn't know was there that you found. Like, oh, I forgot about this thing. Right, exactly. <laughs> Just start talking about other albums. That'll be so interesting. For <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, remember the CTY album? No, um, <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> I don't know who's singing to him. No, I, I sometimes if I just fill in the blank and go, oh, it's just like the narrative. It's just like, it's like our consciousness. Or it's it, he's taking the consciousness of the audience, saying, oh my god, get out of there, you know. But not necessarily what he's doing. It might be a character that we just haven't really pinned down. I, I think it is, and I'm gonna. I intend to figure this shit out right now. So tell tell me what you think about the next song. This is called Sail Away to Avalon, another iconic song. So, this is probably uh, one of the heaviest songs on here, one of the grabbers that that should, that should grab you by the nuts, and if it didn't, you should probably check to see if you have nuts. And if you don't have nuts, that's fine, it's 2021. But, epic as shit, um, got a great chorus. If you, I mean, if, if you want to, if you're looking for epic metal, if you came in here looking for some epic cornball power metal, this would be the song you, I would go. You need to listen to that right now. There are three songs on here, like kind of like that, or at least, yeah, three songs on here like that. This is probably number one when it comes to Grab You by the Balls power metal. Um, if you're a fan of mythology, you might have a boner about the fact that they're mentioning Avalon. I don't know. What is um, Avalon? Do you know what Avalon is? It's supposed to be like some, uh, I guess like some, God, I'm going to butcher this, some mythical realm um, that is mentioned often in, uh, I guess, lore from the UK. And um, while I'm saying this, I am definitely not looking it up. Um, oh yeah, okay. Let's, let's go and do this. King Arthur's sword Excalibur was, I guess, forged here. It's a, it's an island. It's a mythical island. He's gonna sail away to Avalon. I guess to probably like take refuge there. 
Um, yeah. Look so, what I look uh, what I got here, buddy. I actually found it. No, you didn't. Yes, I fucking did. I, I literally found all my. I got Universal Migrator over there and Human Equation, all these. And I found the uh, the actual. Even got the new from Inside Out insert, the old school. Anybody who uh, could be looking at this would have a lot more interest than uh, me, than you and I, because they can't see what I'm fucking doing. But anyway, here. Mm. In the in the liner notes, it says the writers, screenplay, and all songs written and composed by A.A. A. Lucasin, except five lyrics by I. Perry and four A. Arranged by C. Vettermeyer. But um, super cool. Al Martin here, too. Recorded and mixed 1994-95 at Studio RS-29 in Wallowick, Holland. And it was mastered by Peter Brucey at Q-Point. Uh, let's see here. I'm going to dive in and see if I can find... Oh, man. All right. Um... I'm, I'm ridiculous. He's got pictures. If you don't... Anybody, I wish you could see what I'm showing Phil here, but I'm showing him the inside of this, uh, the physical album. He's got photographs, Arian does, of himself goofing around with all the artists and he also has some notations in each track so this might be valuable and something i probably should have looked up before we started recording my friend um that's okay um uh no i think it, it, it's you know we're, we're a humble podcast okay that's right we're two we're just two guys dicking around trying to figure out shit talk about shit so this song sail away he's got some notes here sail away to avalon says to entertain the court arion makes up a song about the brave knights of the round table and their journey to the Isle of Avalon in search of the Holy Grail. Which, he doesn't have any notations in Courtyard Minstrel Boy to further expound upon our question as to who was singing that to him. I think, I, maybe, it's the, maybe it's the fucking audience, man. We're telling them, hey, you're a Courtyard Minstrel Boy. Ye. And you need to, uh... Run away. You tell people what's going on and maybe 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 leave. <laughs> right. Or don't. I don't know what it says. I don't remember. <laughs> maybe tell them to stay. Yeah, ha- to hang stay. out a while. Just get beheaded. It's fine. Or maybe we should leave. Yeah, I would leave. I'll probably leave. <laughs> uh, like leaning on him for his insight? Yeah, I think I should go. I don't know. I guess I'd dump her. <laughs> yeah. Cheating on you with two chicks. Oh, man. I guess, I guess dumper? dumper? Totally. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think our invitations could have been lost in the mail. Well, yep. this is now track seven, Nature's Dance, and I will admittedly recognize this is my least favorite of all the songs. What do you think of this one? You know why it's a little bit iffy? Because it's just sort of like in a weird spot. I don't really dislike the fact that he's like fr- another frolicky song, but... It's also like, it's like, yes, they do celebrate Avalon, but they just did this with Ye Courtyard, Mr. Boy. I mean, so it's like, maybe just take parts of this and throw it into the courtyard thing. I don't know. Mix it together. How many times does this guy need to frolic around for us to know that he was a fairly um, docile, pleasant person before this unfortunate uh, future-born series of visions ruined his life right right exactly before he came with this crippling yoke put on his neck but Aryan puts here Arion retires in the garden of dreams surrounding Camelot enjoys the wonders of nature and reflects on his fate he now fully understands and reluctantly submits to his destiny so I suppose that's it's the transition into act three which is visual echoes Mm. so let's go to track number eight computer rain subtitled game over and uh, for mm-hmm. this act, this is where I think we can all agree the bangers are. I mean, you got some just yeah. permanently classic. Well, no, hold on. I'm wrong. Act four has got uh, the, the bangers. This one's got Oracle, Computer Rain, and Listen to the Waves, as well as Magic Ride. So this, uh, he says, the time has come for Arion to set about his mission. He sings about three main causes of the Earth's eventual destruction. And then Arion describes in this track eight, Computer Rain, a distant future in which technology triumphs over passion and, quote, serving, close quote, computers will gradually gain control over mankind. You got any notes about this one? Track 8, Computer Rain, Game Over. Game Over! Well, I love Game Over, man. Game Over reference from Aliens. But, um, no, I think it's catchy. I like where she says technology's won. Technology's won! 
Um, <laughs> it's a, it's, it's. I like how they, um, like you, you talked before about how combining futurism with uh, sort of old medieval uh, imagery. So right. in an album where you have the courtyard minstrel boy, sail away to Avalon. You also have a song titled "Computer Rain Game Over." <laughs> exactly. So yeah. Um, so yeah, it definitely is consistent with the combining of the themes. Well, it's a, it's a reasonably catchy song. It's not, doesn't blow my mind, but it's good. I wouldn't turn it off. Um, I, well, I, I don't know who the lady's singing. I don't know who that is. Well, on that note, let's turn it off. We'll go to the next one. Warracle. Arion sings of the uselessness of the countless wars to come and the absurdity of the final annihilation by the push of just one button by just one man. What do you think of this one? I love the part where, I mean, this is, this is almost purely expository. It like it's just telling you. It's just it's it's similar to the first song where it's just telling you things for a lot of the song. It's not necessarily singing it. Yes. But the part where the um, female singer goes, "Set me free." I love that part. I think it's so um, profound. Uh, so I, I I do like that part a lot. So it's a good song. So maybe a little longer than it needs to be. It's probably the only time I'll say that about a song on this album. A little bit, uh, I don't know. This part it, behind with the, with the background vocal, this is the greatest layering. Yeah. Just that little duet piece. I mean, it's like a 30-second piece where he's he and she are singing, you know, kind of talk counterpoint, point counterpoint that we talk about all the time. And it's yeah. beautiful, man. It's just, it just goes to show how awesome Aryan is as a composer to plunk this spot in one track nine, 30-something minutes into the album. Just that little, just 30-second snippet of gold. Yep. And I didn't realize that Aryan was one of the Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, track 10, Listen to the Waves. Arion warns... Oh, this is a gold one. Yeah. Arion warns the people that if man does not mend his ways... Man will contaminate the skies, so there will be no more air to breathe. He will poison the seas, so there will be no more water to drink. And he will pollute the land, so there will be no more food to live on. And uh, there are probably some cynics out there who think this Arion guy was pretty spot on. <laughs> yeah, man. He, I mean, that's what this all was. Social commentary. He's trying to tell everybody he believes this is going to happen. But, um, yeah, I mean, sure. The world's not going in a great place, but this song's great. It's so it's so pretty. It's like a um, it, it's just it's like a uplifting, maybe like early '80s kind of riff, and um, the chorus is cool. The way he says, uh, "Listen to the way," like the way he um, delivers it, it's so sing-songy and fun. But the the fucking the lyrics are so goddamn depressing. Right, I know. But I. One of the parts the that song. gets stuck in my head every time is the seas are red, the skies are grim, the soil yeah. is filled with graves. That always gets in my head. Yeah, uh, and it has like a he's like a quivery voice, like like he's almost emotional. But um, yeah, I, I fucking love the song. I mean, it's almost like a top three. Although I can't, I can't, I can't do that. Yeah, I can't do that. I might be able to do it, but I don't think I can. No, don't do it, it, dude. You'll regret it. You can't do it. Top three? Come on. What, I don't think what? I can do it. No, you can't do it. Go to the next one is Magic Ride, track 11. This is the end of Act 3. Somehow, Arion senses that his fate is upon him, and he implores, no, he commands his future tormentors to grant him one last moment of splendor in place of all the misery that haunts his mind, but no one hears his plea. This is another atmospheric. This one reminded me a little bit of something like, like it of uh, the '90s, Jimmy's Chicken Shack kind of uh, wow. alt rock. Very far throwback and local to just Baltimore. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know why. Where I, it must have been a riff that they did that just when I was a little kid I heard it and like every time I hear that I'm like, oh, it's Jimmy's Chicken Shack. Like yeah, even though they definitely come up with that riff, <laughs> that mm-hmm. idea, that thing. But um, anywho. Um, it's another pretty song. Um, another, it's got a, a decent amount of gravitas considering the subject matter. 
it's another it's very bittersweet in that respect where yes this guy's gonna die for the visions that he's trying to convey the warning he's trying to give everybody and he's accepting it so there's a little bit of a closure i guess in, in the in the theme of it but bittersweet pretty what do you think how do you how do you approach this song I'm okay with it musically. I think it's so-so, but the lyrics are where I really, you know, kind of get into it because he's saying, I sense a fear deep inside. The end is near. I cannot hide. Blood is spilt. My quest is unfulfilled. There's still so much I long to see. I need to touch. I wish to be. I can't believe this is all I can achieve. Hark me now and let me go to faraway lands and distant shores and angel at my side. No evil plans or future wars. Take me high on a magic ride. Did you ever care how I would feel as you dreamt up this one-way deal? My lords of time, don't you understand? My life's been rough. I was born to lose. I've had enough of them. Future blues. Grant my wish. My wish is your command. And this is basically him pleading pleading with whomever is sending him these messages for some, you know, kind of relief here. Because he's just, like, burdened by this so terribly. He's like, I gotta, I gotta move on here. So... Then we go into Act mm-hmm. 4, which unquestionably has two of the best three songs on here. Gotta acknowledge this next one, Merlin's Will. I mean, I, I think... Tell you, you, can, you can do a top three, man, because Merlin's Will... Well, I'm it's telling you... It's definitely in the top three. Well, Merlin's Will is 100%. I thought you were trying to tell me that you were going to for sure put Listen to the Waves in the top three. You can't. No way. The top three on this album, two of them are in this act. I'm not, uh, I'm uh, not exactly. saying... That, I'm not saying that you can't do a top three. I have a top three for sure, but I'm telling you that if you put "Listen to the Waves" in your top three, you're an idiot. I would, yeah. I, I'll tell you what my top three is at the end. But yeah, okay, well, good. I'm glad you agree to do a top three. Oh, definitely. You can do a top three anything. D- yeah, you can yeah. Do a top three anything. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Act four. Merlin's will and Arion's fate. The great Merlin, Arthur's magician and prophet, has observed Arion's endeavors, Argus-eyed, but now he believes the moment has come for him to intervene. Merlin, who is unaffected by, and therefore ignorant of, the time telepathy experiment, assumes that Arion's prophecies are deceptive, and so Arion must be silenced. Or could there be an undertone of envy in his words? And you have this very cool dynamic in the song between Merlin and the knights, where Merlin is speaking and then the knights are speaking back. It's Merlin's will, his will be done. It's the knights saying, we're going to carry out your bidding. So cool, but Merlin, what a dick. Definitely an asshole. I mean, he's not a... You think a guy like that could appreciate visions and warnings? That's the, what the hell is he jealous from? Yeah, what a is. jealous dick. He's just mad he didn't get the visions. But this song is so epic. Obviously, the beginning, I guess it's a flute that, or like a trumpet. I don't know. It's not fucking new music. But um, he, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a trumpet of some type. But um, the riff, the bum, bum, bana, bum, bum, bana, it's so thunderous. And the tempo, and it, just this. Yeah. Punches, man. Seriously. God. And then, um, okay, so they do, and then obviously when they go, hey, yeah, that's catchy. But I love where it goes, um, after all that, it like expands on the whole theme of everything and, and carries it along really well with, like, again, a folksy or folky kind of uh, um, chord progression. And um, I think it's, it might, it's probably the best blending of all the styles that he goes for on this album, I think, even though it's not very long. I don't know if you feel this way, but if one 15-year-old kid whose friends are listening to, like, I don't know, Sia and Rihanna and a whole bunch of other pop shit, if they hear this, just by the grace of God, heard this episode and got into this and was, like, excited and interested in learning about the nerdiest shit we're talking about right now, my life will be complete because that's what I really want. I want I'm so grateful to you for doing that to me 20 years ago. And now I just hope that some kid somewhere is like, wow, this exists? This shit is real? I've never been exposed to anything even like this. It's just so cool. Yeah, God, it's so awesome, man. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I do see it as a little better than this, but um, <laughs> I just fucked Arion. No, uh, but yeah, absolutely, man. It would be so cool if yeah, we get somebody to just um, something they never would have heard of, never, ever would have heard of, and just jumped right into it. And it's like a whole, uh, open up a whole new world of metal in general maybe definitely then we yeah. have a perfect opportunity to transition to what is absolutely my favorite song I cannot get out of my head is the charm of the seer number 13 I just this great song will ever be burned in my brain as a tune I can't get out and Dude, how about when it goes boom, 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 boom. <laughs> it's so fucking creepy and catchy I fucking love it it's so Sorry. beautiful yeah. so Arden says 
Arion understands that he was not individually chosen for the time telepathy experiment, but that he unintentionally received its transmission. This could be because of a more developed sixth sense as a result of his blindness. He also realizes that he can neither accomplish his mission nor stop the visions from penetrating his mind. His sole escape is to submit to the magic charm of the great seer Merlin. Pretty, he- pretty heavy, huh? Yeah, it is heavy, and you feel bad, and you, because he has to succumb to Merlin. Um, and I fuck Merlin; he doesn't deserve to win. So I always felt bad about that. It's like, ugh, it's dick. I know. This is too strong. You're letting him win. But, yeah, but that's his destiny for some reason. To, I guess to martyr himself. But then I don't know. I feel like is the message you're trying to convey getting out? You're just like. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm crazy. I'm dead. Yeah. No, no, I'm crazy. But like, the guy's accusing me of being a a dangerous psycho or whatever. Whatever they're accusing him of, a witch maybe. Um, He he killed me. He won. I'm just like, God, your message is not really gonna hold strong. It was snuffed out so quickly. So I hate, I hate Merlin for that fucking Merlin. But he can make some music. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I was like, I don't know what he was supposed to be conveyed as historically or mythologically, but I always thought Merlin was cool. Now I don't think Merlin's cool. Yeah, now he's a complete doucher, but his songs, and I would love to ask Aryan about this, is why is it, was it accidental or just purposeful that the two I consider like most banger, catchy songs are about this confrontation between Merlin and Arion. Is that coincidental or is that purposeful that the, these are such amazing songs and so deep and dank if that was just something that he always intended? You know what I'm saying? I'm curious about that. Yeah, well, I, I, it's probably the only these are the only songs where there is a the, the actual confrontation instead of instead of a guy warning people. Right. You know, so maybe that's why. I mean, yeah, it is, it is in, in, the, in the play, in the opera, this is the confrontations. And, um, so yeah, I, mean, I think it stands to reason that would be why Is this make them the best keyboard solo in any song ever. This I love this part. And then a little violin in there. I, I like how it takes a break from everything and just throws in the keyboard. I think the acoustic version of this is really strong too. I agree, but I don't think it's better than this one. I like that piano. Instead of like a, I guess it's a keyboard. Yeah, instead of that, they do a piano, like a straight up piano. But, um, I, I bow in yeah. fear to the charm of the seer is like I, that will never not be in my head. Yeah, yeah this is a this is a. I, I remember listening to this like at your house back in the day. We watched Family Guy, play video games. Yeah, you know that. And that. Listen, get a little and, high. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and listen to this shit, man. It, it takes me back so much to just being uh, young and uh, drunk. Yeah, and high. I mean, l- listen to this stuff when you're super high was always cool, too, because you just started to get so much deeper into it, and you're like, oh, yeah, that fucking Marilyn, what a dick. <laughs> All right, let's go oh to God, tr- yeah. track 14, yeah. Swan Song. This is the instrumental, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Merlin grants Arion his last request to experience one last brief moment of serenity. Flashes of his past flash... Flashes of his past life pass before his eyes. I don't know that we need to spend a ton of time on this. A little bit of an interlude. It's two and a half minutes. Anything to say about that one before we move on to track 15, Arion's Fate? No, it's best song on the album. <laughs> Next one, track 15, Arion's Fate. Okay. This is broken into three pieces. Arion's Fate, Merlin's Prophecy, and the Epilogue. This first part, he says, Arion desperately attempts to convince Merlin of his sincerity, but Merlin won't hear of it and casts his spell on poor Arion. So... You know, it seemed like before he was accepting of the charm of the seer and just submitting himself to him. He bows in fear, blah, blah, blah. But then he's saying, like, one last, no, 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 don't do it. And then it's just too late. Yeah, I, okay. It reminded me of a little bit of Jesus, right? Where you know that you're going to be betrayed, right? It's almost like you you have to try to do the thing, even though you know what the outcome's going to be. So, like, Arian has to still try to warn people and resist Merlin, even though he knows he's going to fail. So he, you know, like, so um, that's why he's, that's why he does this. He, he knows ultimately his fate is probably to be killed by Merlin, but he's supposed to try in vain 
um, to convince him one last time. So it reminds me of that, where it's like you, it's almost going through the motions. I know this isn't going to work, we got to do it. It's part of my fate. So you don't think I should name my next son Judas Merlin Peterson? I think I, I think that's a great name. That's a very metal name. I'll get him a serial killer like jumpsuit and uh, one of those fucking yeah, uh, should... arrest record photos for his birth photo. <laughs> yeah, and, and make him wear a wizard hat. A dastardly, <laughs> like, but like an ex-con, like a convict color, like an orange wizard hat. A cone, yeah, exactly. Orange cone yeah. hat to go with the jumpsuit. So what do you think of this song generally? I don't want to spend a, a million hours on it, but what do you think of the song? Pretty good, except, especially the parts where he goes, Mystery! And it echoes. And he does he does that later with history, and that's a pretty fucking cool part. Yep. And that jams out a lot, and it's a good song, and it's not as good as Charm of the Sphere, which is where they should have ended the album, probably. I kind of agree with you. It was definitely... Yeah. The, I, it's funny you said that. I thought last night to myself, I think I would have tried to find a way to end with Charm of the Sphere. It's just so strong, but you yeah. had to give this wrap-up. And I will say, I don't think that anyone who is listening to this without really studying it a little bit would understand when he says the outcome of the final experiment has now been placed in your hands, what that's referring to and who that's going to. Do you? What, what's your impression of that? I think Arjun Leeson probably thinks these things could happen and is telling the audience straight up to be aware of, of when we're on a path towards these, this kind of ruin. And that's what he's telling people. Super cool, right? I mean, it's just almost like he's mm -hmm. a... Um, hopeless. What's the what's the word when somebody is like Pollyannish about how they can change the world? Uh, hopelessly optimistic or something like that is kind of what I'm thinking of. But he's taken it to such a beautiful level that even if you are dumping oil into the ocean as you listen to this, you probably have a smile on your face. So it's yeah. it's achieved multiple <laughs> objectives. I don't know how many people have changed their lives or their you know, uh, green habits or their computer usage. I don't know how many people it's been impacted, but what a benevolent outcome of him trying to do that is producing music with this level of depth and beauty and intrigue and all that stuff, man. So, what are there are many people that unironically work at like Lockheed Martin developing drones and shit that are listening, driving to work listening to this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or like computer spyware that the government issues and they're just listening to this yeah. album. Right. So, but uh, yeah, Phil, that's the end of, or we're coming up on the end. This is the last track. I'll code, I'll zip forward here to the end so people can hear that outro about being put in our hands. I would love to know your top three, and then we'll kind of wind up at the end saying uh, what your thoughts were on the the acoustics. What was your favorite of the acoustic songs? If you could pick a top three from those. Oh, okay, I can definitely do that. Um, so, top three got to be Merlin's. My favorite one is Merlin's Will. Okay. And then Tarmacir close second. And then I really think Sail Away to Avalon is probably my third. Although I really like The Eyes of Time. And that brings me to my acoustic um, list because, okay, my acoustic list, my favorite is Charm of the Seer. And then I like... Um, That's interesting. So your favorite on... Uh, your favorite on yeah. the acoustic was my favorite on the electric. Yeah. I like, um, I like, they, okay, so they take parts of some of the, the regular versions and just call them different things. Like, um, where he, uh, the song, um, fuck's that? Uh, maybe he doesn't do that, but, um, <laughs> yes, he does. Anyway, I'm talking <laughs> my ass here. Oh, Dream Time. Okay, thank God I figured it out. Okay, Dream Time he takes, because that's from the awareness. And he talks about Dream Time, but in the there's an acoustic song just called Dream Time. It's a lady just like singing that part of it. So that is what I just said is true. I just retardedly took forever to corroborate. The point is, second favorite going to be Eyes of Time acoustic, and then my third favorite will have to be um, the Accusation semi acoustic. Love it, love it. My my top three of the album proper are uh, Sail Away to Avalon, Merlin's Will, and Charm of the Seer in reverse order. So one would be Charm of the Seer, two Merlin's Will, and then three is Sail Away to Avalon. Those are my top three. 
And then totally get it. on the acoustic, I love Dreamtime, love uh, Merlin's Will, and Charm of the Seer. So it's pretty damn close. The only swap out is Dreamtime instead of Sailor to Avalon. Phil. Perfect, man. Have you heard the next album we're going to review, which this album, The Final Experiment, was released October 27th of 1995. He came back October the 23rd of 96 and released Actual Fantasy. Have you heard any of Actual Fantasy? Very, very little to this day. Very little. Okay, well, I have a very interesting story for you about my experience with Actual Fantasy and or maybe some narcotics, and I will share that with you next time, but I am intrigued and I will preface it by saying I will wonder if you feel that the short 12-month space between this one and that one had any impact on quality. I'm intrigued to know your thoughts. So on the next episode of the Arion episodes of the Great Heavy Music Podcast, we will dive into actual fantasy, Again, released October 23rd, 1996, the second album of Arion, which will then lead us into The Electric Castle, the third release. Phil, anything else you want to share about the final experiment? I, I have a closeout note for you, but you tell me if there's anything else you want to share for our listeners. If you like rock operas, progressive metal, you would do yourself a huge favor by checking this album out. I think you will love it. For sure, for sure. And Phil, I am grateful to you for the introduction, for you bringing this to me from Game Facts, because this band and album has had such a huge influence on my life that you can tell we're even doing a whole podcast about the entirety of their catalog. So it just is a demonstration of how much this has impacted my life positively. You are the man, and I sincerely hope we get to speak to Aryan at some point in this Dude. journey. So Me too, buddy. It's super me cool. Me too. All right, brother. So until next time, this was episode one of the Arion episodes of the Great Heavy Music Podcast. Next time, actual fantasy.